on the Virtual Bible Study, we want to talk about a question that we get asked all the time. Jacob, we are in the midst of our gospel meeting here at College View, and tonight, Donnie Rader, who you see here to my left, Donnie was our speaker tonight and taught on a very important question, will only members of the Church of Christ be saved? I've told people, I think, when folks find out that we're members of the Church of Christ, we can almost guarantee one of two questions. One will be this question. Do you really think you're the only ones going to heaven? Or the other question will be another one we've talked about many times, and that is about instrumental music. We're not going to talk about that tonight, but we'll talk about this one, Donnie. You know, most of the time, Greg, when I'm asked that question, it is asked when someone's in a hurry, they're on the run, when I don't have time to answer that. And uh, what we did tonight, and I usually ask people this, if if you've asked me this question and you'll give me an hour of your time, I'll give you a thorough answer, but I'm not going to just answer that on the fly as you're going out the door. Well, we're going to give you an hour to answer it tonight. We'll talk about it on the virtual Bible study. Don't go anywhere. We'll get started right after this. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and this is the virtual bible study for thursday october 26 2017 thank you for joining us tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great to be with you and as you mentioned donnie raider is between the two of us tonight donnie thank you for coming tonight good to be here and thank, thank you for you. your good sermon uh, we appreciate that and we'll be podcasting that our listeners will want to catch that it'll be out next week we'll get that lesson and all the lessons from our our gospel meeting podcast an excellent sermon and one we want to use for our discussion tonight uh dad uh, we've got one more night uh of our meeting for those who may be listening that's in right. the area that's right our gospel meeting continues tomorrow night friday night uh ben may from lawrenceburg tennessee will be speaking to us tomorrow night we look forward to his lesson if you're anywhere within driving distance of columbia tennessee we encourage you to come and join us uh, for the last night of our meeting we've had a great meeting we've just had tremendous preaching we've had lots of visitors and good attendance and uh, really a good meeting. And, Donnie, you did your work well tonight. Thanks for being here. Oh, it's right. a pleasure. And you answered a question that uh, no doubt you've been asked many times, and uh, you really dissected it uh, thoroughly tonight, and uh, we want to do that on the program uh, tonight again. i let you go through some of those points. Um, and you started off with uh, uh, an understanding of oh, why the question. Yeah, the question is asked for various reasons. And one of the things we pointed out tonight is it's asked because of a denominational view of the church. That question is driven from that. If there is no such thing as denominationalism, there would be no question. So it's driven from this concept that people have that God's people are divided into various segments, into various groups. And and so you have maybe a larger circle here with smaller circles in it, and those smaller circles represent the denominations and the larger circle God's people. Um and because people have that concept, Jacob, I think is why they ask that question. And one of the points I made in the sermon tonight was that to answer in the affirmative is like saying you you could uh, only be healthy by eating Kroger brand food. Yeah. 
That's absurd. Or, or you can only get to Nashville if you drive a Ford. Yeah. I mean, well, you're so or, exclusive. Yeah. Anybody, everybody knows that you can get in other ways because Absolutely. There, there's all these different brands. They're all cars. Right. And, yeah. so, and so people have this really faulty idea of, of the church, that the church is made up of all the different denominations that are out there in the religious world. Uh, and, and, and so... And, and we'll talk a little bit about this. You suggested if that's true, and if all are in the church, but they're just different branches or, or subsets of the church, one's as good as another. It'd be like ice cream. I like ice cream. You like chocolate ice cream. I like strawberry ice cream. And for me to insist that you have to like the kind of ice cream I like would be just crazy. Narrow, very narrow-minded. Yeah. Uh, and But that's the view that people have of the church, that the church is just this broad umbrella that covers all people who nominally are Christians, who identify themselves as Christians, and the church is comprised of all of these, and therefore to suggest that you have to be a part of a particular one, it just seems crazy to people. But it goes to this root problem of, of understanding what the church really is. So we need to peel that back and get to that discussion for sure as we answer this question, this whole idea of denominationalism. The uh, I think let's just talk about this word denomination for a moment, and uh, I don't know of a better illustration than the one we use tonight, and that is this idea of uh, that was a term used in banking years ago. Yeah. Um, you go to the bank now, and, and they'll ask you, do uh, you want large bills or small bills? But it used to be many who are older can remember you went with a hundred dollar check, and they'd say, "What denomination?" They were not asking about a church; they were asking, "Do you want ones, fives, tens, fifties, or twenties, or hundreds?" And by, that implied three things by that. Number one, that implied uh, that money is divided. Uh, it implied that there are ones and fives and tens and twenties, et cetera. And number two, it implies that it, but one is as good as another. That is, one category is as good as another. And thirdly, there are no wrong choices. You never were rebuked for choosing the wrong segment of money. I want twenties or I want fives. And so we, as we turn, use that with reference to denominations or the church, if denominationalism be true, then those same three principles are true. God's people are divided. One is as good as another, and there are no wrong choices. And that's the concept people have. Yeah. Um, but thinking about that word a little bit more, I've often pointed out that the word itself suggests division. Denomination is, is a division. Um when we were kids in grade school, when we studied fractions, we had the numerator and the denominator. And the denominator, the part under the line, was what did the dividing. The denominator was the divider. And so the, the very idea of denominationalism, the, the name itself suggests that it is a division of the church, or a division of, of something. We wouldn't say the church, but a division of something. And isn't it interesting that most who believe in denominationalism talk about wanting to be united and yet... Hang on to denominationalism, which is a divider. <laughs> All right. 877-381-4567 is the telephone number to use tonight. If you'd like to sign in the chat room and chat with other listeners, you're welcome to do there as well. Kevin Kelly is listening. Well, to test your uh, geography skills, Bucks North, Tennessee. You know where that is, Donnie? Uh, close. You're close, yeah. He's, in, he's on I-40 in Bucksnort, Tennessee. So thank you for listening tonight, Kevin, and all the listeners that are out there. And we'd like to hear from you on the program uh, tonight. Um there's some prejudice associated with this question as well. I think this question is driven by prejudice and it drives prejudice. I think okay. it does both. What do I mean is driven by prejudice? I think the question is asked because people are prejudiced against the church and the okay. things for which it stands. Yeah. 
and uh, they've heard something about the church that maybe they've been told some negative things about the church of Christ and so that question is often driven by this prejudice that they have of thinking that oh yeah y'all I know who you are um, th- those folks connected with that virtual body they're the ones that believe they're the only ones going to heaven and so it's driven by prejudice and is it is it an uh, driven or asked by those who are honest with the scriptures? Would you say? I mean, are are they? Is it is it just used as some mode of a diversion or a, 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 a an excuse to not accept what you're saying because of this presupposition? It can be. I've been asked that question by someone who is honest, and when I give them an answer, they accept the answer. Okay. And I've been asked that, but nine times out of ten, it's asked by somebody who is trying to drive that prejudice and perhaps drive someone else away that is involved in the study. You mentioned Proverbs 18, verse 13 in your sermon uh, that suggests it's a foolish thing to develop a, 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 an answer before you've heard the argument, uh, so to speak. In other words, to yeah. decide what I believe before I've heard it discussed thoroughly. But I, I really think that is the case a lot on yeah. this question. It is. Um, and we see that in the news every day where decisions are being made and conclusions are drawn uh, without people looking at the data. All the data in the end, but the, the conclusion is already drawn. Well, people do that in religion all the time. They've already made up their mind what they believe about what the church is, uh, whether it's essential, and the information is not in yet. And the proverb says that he that answer matters before he hears it, it's folly and shame. Yeah. All right, 877-381-4567. So well, I guess what we uh, our appeal would be to people, as you said earlier, give us the time to engage in a thorough discussion of this question, and we think we can help you understand what we mean. Uh, but if, if you got to be open to consider this, and you got to you got to be willing to dive in deep enough to get to the answer, and to understand the terminology terminology that's used, Greg. The And as I mentioned, as we began the program, I've had people, maybe a plumber comes in and he's working at the church building or at the house, and he throws a question out as he's going out to grab another wrench. And I don't even answer. I don't even try to answer because I can't give him enough information for him to grab a hold of the the information. So let's spend some time talking about what the church is, what the Bible says about the church. You know, uh, sort of an example that I've used in the Scripture along that line was when Jesus was speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well in John 4, she asked a really tough religious question of Jesus. You know, uh, our fathers worshipped in this mountain. She's talking about Mount Gerizim there in Samaria. But you say, you Jews say that we have to go up to Jerusalem to worship, which is right. Well, that was a hot theological question in its day. Jesus didn't compromise the answer with her, but he didn't really get off to try. He didn't have time to discuss the thorough nature of that answer. Which I think probably sets a pattern for us. If we don't have time to answer thoroughly, let's put that off until we do have the time. Give them the right information. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh, I, I do think that it's important, and you started out your lesson tonight, Donnie. Let's make sure we understand where what the question is and where it's coming from. Um, uh, it's, it's an awful lot rooted in this false idea of the church that that. Uh, the church is this huge, broad umbrella uh, that covers everybody who even vaguely identifies as Christian. And there's just different branches in there, and, and, and they all are as good as another. With, with a lot of flexibility for preference mm-hmm. in matters of, of severe importance. How, what must I do to be saved? How does God want me to worship him? 
what should the church be doing in its work. Contradictory doctrines. Contradictory and, and essential doctrines. But there's a lot of flexibility in this denominational concept that I'm okay, you're okay, choose the, ch- the church of your choice. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, uh, I thought it was interesting how you described, we're really in a dilemma. If we don't have time to answer thoroughly, we're in a dilemma. Because if you say, if I say to you, are you do you believe that you have to be a member of the Church of Christ to be saved? If you say no, then that's not the right answer. We, we know differently. Uh, we wouldn't be able to even harmonize it with everything else that we teach. So you can't say no, but if you can't, but if you say yes, then that's just going to turn people off immediately. Yeah. It's, uh, that's sort of like the fellow who said, you know, you ask another guy, uh, guy, have you stopped beating your wife yet? <laughs> well, there's, you can't answer that yes or no. If you say no, that means you're, you are still being here. If you say yes, that means you have beat her in the past, but you're not now. That's a, that's a question that doesn't have a good yes or no answer. And this question is sort of like that. It is. And that's why I, I just insist, sit down with me for an hour and let's study this. And if you're interested, we can sit down we can talk about We're going to talk about what the church is. We're going to talk about whether there's just one, the whole concept of denominationalism, the kind of things we went through tonight. All right. In the chat room tonight, guest 3152 says yes, but all denominations are all money, having value under the same authority, but some are worth more than others. And 3152 goes on and references 1 Corinthians 11, verse 19. For there must also be factions among you. Uh, I don't know if the listener is suggesting that that indicates that there will be denominations and it's okay, but if you go on and look at verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 11, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. There were divisions in the first century. There were those who were right and those who were wrong. Yeah. By the nature of what truth is, when truth is taught, it's going to create divisions. There are people going to reject the truth. But interesting that that book is cited, 1 Corinthians, when the whole tone of the book is condemning the factions and the divisions at Corinth. It is. Uh, Like chapter 1, verse 10, that there be no divisions among you. You speak the same thing and mind the same judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, And is Christ divided? The very book begins on the note of condemning division. So he's not uh, condoning division. It's just simply saying in 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen that there will be divisions when truth is practiced and taught. All right. And uh, guess 7564 says people want things their way, but they have to remember that, that Christianity is not like Burger King. You can't have it your way. It's God way, God's way or the highway. We have to agree with that. All right. I think so, too. All yeah. right. Let's grab a break, Jacob. When we come back, let's let's start digging into this question a little bit more, uh, and and how we need to be answering it. All right, and uh, you answered it, and we've already sort of given it away. You've answered it in the affirmative, but the answer, the way that you will answer it, will not be the way that many people are thinking as far as what you mean by saying that you must be in the Church of Christ. We're not talking about a denomination. We'll talk about that when we get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15, the scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks us. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the virtual Bible study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the virtual Bible study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Integrity means being good when nobody is looking. 
There is no right way to do a wrong thing. If we pause to think, we'll have cause to thank. There is no limit to the amount of good that people can do if they don't care who gets the credit. A happy marriage is the union of two good forgivers. A man is a selfish fool who says it's nobody's business what he does. Man, wish I'd said that. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. Back on the program, talking with Donnie Rader about the question, do you, do you have to be a member of the Church of Christ to go to heaven? Are you only the members of the Church of Christ going to be saved? What do you think about that question? We'd like to hear your thoughts tonight. Okay, Donnie, so we we have explained that some people just have a very perverted view, really. I don't, I'm using the word perverted in a, in a nasty sense, but just perverted from the reality of what the church really is. People have a wrong view of what the church is. I'm going to give you a chance here now to define it for us. What do you think it is? What is the church then? Well, the church, you know, and that's part of the problem, Greg, I think, is that uh, when, when people ask the question, they're thinking the term church in one sense, and we're using the right. term church in another. Right. And and if we're not using it properly, the Bible may be using it even in another. So, first of all, the term church has reference to people, Acts 8.3. It's people. It's not the building. It's not a particular location. It's, it's people. But it's people who have come into a saved relationship with God. And I would cite, first of all, Acts 2.47. The Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So those who were being saved were put in the church. Those who were put in the church were those who were saved. They're one and the same people. Uh, Christ is the Savior of the body, Ephesians 5.23. Those he saves are in the body. Uh, those in the body are those he saves. To me, one of the clearest passages that makes that point is Acts 11. Um, walk, walk through that with us. I really like the way that you developed that from Acts 11 in your sermon. In Acts 11, we're starting at verse 19. Those that were scattered over the persecution that arose over Stephen. And they went, the text says, in Acts 11, verse 20, and as they were preaching and teaching, they went uh, to Antioch and spoke to the Hellenists, preaching the Lord Jesus. Right. So that needs to be done. Verse 21, when they preached the Lord Jesus, people believed and turned to the Lord. Now that describes people who are in a saved relationship with God. They believed and turned to the if Lord. You just, the if you just Jesus. went down the street and said, if, if a person turns and believes in the Lord, would they be saved? I think everybody, uh, everybody yes. would agree with that. So they're saved people. Most religious people would agree. Yeah. Even non-religious people would say, well, if they believe and turn to the Lord, then y'all must think they're saved. Yeah. Well, those the text goes on to say that the church at Jerusalem heard about this, and they sent Barnabas, and when he came to Antioch, he had seen the grace of God. Mm-hmm. Now, that's not something you pull out of your pocket and say, here, I've got some grace right here I want to show you. That's not the... You saw the effect of it. He saw right. people had received it. Their lives had been changed. Their lives had been changed because they believed and turned to the Lord. So we're describing uh, people who are in a saved relationship. Well, then Barnabas goes to Tarsus and brings Saul to Antioch. Mm-hmm. And when Saul gets there, the text says they assembled with the church, verse 26. And my question tonight was, what church? Where did that church come from? Right. I don't remember reading about a church. Which denomination was that anyway? Yeah. Which well, one? That's a good question. Yeah. Where did the church even come from? And it, it came obviously from, wasn't a denomination. It obviously wasn't. But the right where this church came about was people heard the preaching of Jesus, believed and turned to the Lord and received the grace of God. That comprised the church. Right. And then those who were in the church were called disciples. The disciples were called Christians, first at Antioch. So the term Christian, disciple, those in the church, 
believed and turned to the Lord and receiving the grace of God are all the same people. That's all describing the same person. And it's people who are in a saved relationship. And that goes along, as you mentioned, with Acts 2, verse 47. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Saved are in the church. That's like asking the question... Must one be in the church in order to be saved? Is like asking, must one be a Christian to be saved? Right. Must one be a disciple to be saved? Right. Must you receive the grace of God to be saved? Must you believe and turn to the Lord to be saved? Because those are all the same people. And everybody would say yes. Absolutely. And so right there is a real fitting definition of what the church is. Simply put, the church is saved people. All the saved people constitute the church. Now, we can talk about what one must do to be saved, and often we do talk about the what we identify as the gospel plan of salvation. But if you're a saved person, you're in the church, the church. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But the church is saved people. Period. That's it. And so Will in the chat room asks the question. He says, so you mean the body of Christ, not the church of Christ denomination? Yes. Yes. All right. So we mean the body of Christ, not the church of Christ denomination. You know, I, I would want to know what... It meant by the Church of Christ denomination is what I Well, I, I, I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier. People have such a denominational view of the church that it almost doesn't register with them when we say we don't believe in denominationalism. We don't believe we are a denomination. We don't want to be a denomination. We want to be a part of the one true church of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that just almost doesn't register. People can't can't reason at that level because they become so... Uh, commonly uh, identifying with the idea of all the different denominations. You know, so you're a member of the Church of Christ. Another person's a Baptist. Another fellow's a Lutheran. But that's just your yeah. denomination. Yeah. And we and and they can't. They almost can't hear us when we say that's not what Absolutely. we're talking about. Yeah. What about? I mean, in Acts chapter two and verse forty-seven, they were being added to the church. What? Where was the earthly headquarters of that church? We don't read anything about the mm-hmm. church until Acts chapter. And where? When did they get time, have time to make their creed or their constitution? Yeah. Uh, when did they sign that? When did they all come into this uh, agreement that we're going to be this denomination of Jerusalem? Interesting, too, in that same context, this is the first time the church is mentioned as being in existence in Acts 2.47. And the only thing that's happened since the gospel started to be preached under the Great Commission was these people heard the gospel. They believed it, verse 36, repented and were baptized. And now they're said to be in the church. There's not been anything else done, anything else for them. They just obeyed the gospel and now they're saved and now they're made up the church there at uh, in Jerusalem. Will, I guess, ask the question added to the assembly. Is that what the, the word church there means, assembly? Well, the term church can mean assembly. It means the called out. The term right. church means the called out. And and the, the term ecclesia is used, uh, as we mentioned tonight. We didn't develop that fully, but uh, it is used with reference to an assembly that is not necessarily a religious assembly in Acts 19. Okay. Uh, it was used that way. It just means uh, those who are called out for a common purpose, uh, being called out of sin, uh, into salvation, Ephesians 2, called out of darkness into light, 1 Peter 2. Uh, that is the called out. Uh, those who are called out, that's all the word means, is simply called out. It can mean an assembly, and it's used that way. It's used that way in 1 Corinthians 14. Okay. All right. Acts 19. Um, so back to that question, Jacob. We would say, yes, we're talking about the body of Christ. But, Donnie, let's, let's uh, you, you made this point. And I think it's such an important one. Let's identify the body of Christ as the church of Christ. This this uh, listener 
seems to suggest that there could be a difference between the body of Christ. How does this question read there, Jay? The body of Christ or the church, not the Church of Christ denomination. So it seems like maybe he has the idea that there's one, there is this body of Christ and then there is this church. But and that would be a subset of the uh, general body of Christ. Yeah. Okay, can I give the illustration tonight on, on uh, PowerPoint of an oval, larger oval representing God's people. That may be what he's calling the body of Christ. And then we had several different denominations within that. Yeah. And he's, if I'm understanding his question, it's, uh, are you talking about this larger oval of God's people? Or are you talking about this denomination called the Church of Christ? Right. And that's based on a misunderstanding. That's the reason the question is asked, because of the, the denominational view. And so yeah. you established the fact in, from Acts 11, but you also went to the book of Ephesians as well to show that the body and the, and the church are one and the same. Absolutely. Ephesians 1 makes that point, chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. Um, this is, we mentioned tonight, Paul's great essay on the church. Here's what he said in chapter 1. And he put all things under his feet, gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. So the church and the body are one and the same. And then in chapter 4, verse 4, it tells us there is just one body. One body, just one. So, so there would be one, only one church. Yeah. And so uh, to our listener who asked that question or made that comment in the chat room, we're identifying the body of Christ as the church of Christ, one and the same. The, the, the terms are used interchangeably. And it's not a denominational concept. We're not saying our denomination is better than yours. We're saying... There's one church, the and, and not a denomination, but one body of Christ. Yeah. Um, we've often pointed out, Donna, you mentioned to tonight, th- this one church thing, though so politically incorrect in our world, is very thoroughly discussed in the Scriptures. Jesus said in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church, just one. Singular in number, interesting. He never promised more than one. I will build my church. That's the church we're talking about. The saved are in that church. Uh, and and therefore, if you're saved, you're in the church. If you're in the church, you're a saved person. Those terms are synonymous. And so we're beginning to get to the answer. Do you have to be in the church that Jesus died for? Do you have to be in the church that you read about in the New Testament? Do you have to be in the body of Christ? Do you have to be... In the church that belongs to Jesus, do you have to be in Christ's church? Do you have to be in the church of Christ? Which is actually a descriptive term. It's not a, it's not a denominational title. The church of Christ, it's the church that belongs to Jesus. You know, if we went out in the parking lot, I might point at that and say, that's the car of Donnie. Well, we wouldn't use that. that that's not common way, common speech in our time. But people would understand. I'm saying it's a car that belongs to you. Exactly. And, and that's what we mean when we talk about church of Christ. We're talking about the church, the church, the, the body of Christ, the church that belongs to Christ. Saved people are added to that church, and you've got to be in that church. If, if you're saved, you're in that church. If you're in that church, you're a saved person. Yes, the answer to the question then has to be yes, you have to be in that church. And so I would say for those that may disagree with this idea, uh, Will, for instance, maybe disagree with this. Do you believe and do you agree that you have to be in uh, the body of Christ? And if you to be saved, do you have to be a disciple, as you mentioned from Acts 11, to be saved? And you have if, to be if, a Christian. If the answer is yes, then that's what we're saying. We agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. And there's no, there's no earthly denomination that, that you should be a part of. There, we don't read anything about that in the New Testament. You just need to be a part of that body uh, of believers that the Bible talks about. In fact, as was mentioned in the lesson tonight, the the idea that we could be all divided up into the thousands of different uh, religious sects that exist in the world today and that that would be okay 
completely contrary to the the wishes of Jesus, the prayer that he prayed near the time of his death, prayer for unity. Absolutely. John 17, 20 and 21. He prayed for not only his immediate disciples, but for those who believe on me through their word. That's me and you. I believe on on the Lord through the word of the apostles, and so do you and all all the rest. Um, And that we're to be one, even as they are one, and they were not divided. And that's not a unity, so-called unity and diversity. God and the Father are perfectly, harmoniously united. There's no difference. They don't don't have an issue of difference at all in any realm. Absolutely. And Jesus prayed that our unity would be like theirs, not some kind of faulty idea of a unity. You believe what you believe. Jacob, you believe what you want to believe. I believe what I want to believe. But we'll just... We'll just pretend that we're united, although we believe and practice a hundred different things. Contradictory things. Contradictory, the opposite things. Absolutely. Guest 3152 says, oh, come on, you're tiptoeing around what you believe. You believe you're the only ones going to heaven and everyone else is going to hell. Now, to say it that way would mean that uh, we are somehow the standard, and we're the judge of who gets to go to heaven and who gets to go to hell, and we're not. Well, we're saying that only... Disciples of Christ are going to heaven, right? And right. I hope 3152 would agree with that. I hope 3152 would say only those who believe and are obedient to Christ and his doctrine are going to go to heaven. If not, Muslims are going to go to heaven? Atheist? Satan worship? He doesn't believe that. He doesn't believe that. And here's the conclusion. If, if the Bible says the church is the saved and there's only one church, then only those in that one church will be saved. That's I don't know of any other conclusion. It's not all. a denomination. Yeah. It's just the church you read about in the, the New Testament. The New Testament. And, and we're going we're gonna to get to what we need to get to is the, the, the last part of Donnie's lesson where he sought to help us understand the how to identify that church. So let's just, look, before we go to this break, let's just summarize what we said. There is this false denominational view of the church that suggests that in, under the large umbrella uh, are lots of subsets of churches of different denominations, and you can be one's as good as another. You can be a member of any as long as you're. We're saying that's a faulty view, nowhere described in the pages of the New Testament. That's just not in the Bible. That denominational view. The the fact of the matter is that this, the New Testament describes one church, the body of Christ the one church he promised to build. Uh, there were no denominations in New Testament times. You can't read anything at all about that. What we do know is that the, the body of Christ and the church are used synonymously. All who are who were saved were added to the church. If you're in the church, you're a saved person. If you're uh, saved, you'll be in that church. There is just one church, Ephesians 4, verse 4, Ephesians 1. 22 and 23. And we're not tiptoeing around the question, uh, but we do hope you'll stay tuned because we've got more to go and more to get into as we try to answer this question. It's, an, it's a thorough and involved question, Don. You asked for an hour, and we're halfway through, so we've got a lot more to go, and we hope you'll stay tuned. We'll get uh, more after this break. We'll get this week's bullet point, and we'll get back. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Wynn with this week's bullet point. It's not uncommon to hear folks say something like, I don't drink alcohol, but I'm not sure you can say absolutely that it's wrong to do so. Or it might be, I don't dance, but I really don't think that you can say it is wrong. Or even, we don't use instrumental music where I worship, but I'm not convinced that you could prove it's wrong to use it. The list goes on and on. It includes subjects like modest dress, I don't wear shorts, but... Or missing the assemblies, I try to be at all the services, but I can't say it's wrong to miss... Or using tobacco, I don't smoke, but, 
and so on and so on. The really sad thing is that these statements often come from Christians who ought to know better. What these people need to realize is that even though they do not actually engage in the practice, their words amount to an endorsement that others will certainly take to heart. Will they accept the responsibility when a young Christian becomes ensnarled in alcohol use and abuse? Will they acknowledge their flawed teaching when they see a teenager involved in immodest dress or the lasciviousness of modern dancing? When these things lead to other acts of sexual immorality, will they shoulder their blame? What are these folks thinking, anyway? When Paul was addressing the use of spiritual gifts, he mentioned the danger of giving, quote, an uncertain sound, unquote, 1 Corinthians 14, verse 8. The result of that, Paul explained, was that people would not know how to move forward. While the context was different, the point is certainly practical for those who express their misgivings about important spiritual matters. For those who aren't certain that drinking, dancing, instrumental music and worship, immodest dress, smoking and so forth are wrong, we make this simple request. Study. Become certain. And in the meanwhile, definitely don't teach your doubts to others. Doing so will encourage them, especially the weak and the young, to act in violence. And that's a sin too, Romans 14, verse 23. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Jim Meisner. I worship at the Church of Christ in Deckerville, Michigan. Be sure to listen to the virtual Bible study and watch it. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com or collegeu.com, and also find out how you can podcast the sermons presented to the College U Church of Christ recently, including the sermons from our gospel meeting this week. We're talking about the question... Will only members of the Church of Christ be saved? Will they be the only ones going to heaven? And getting a lot of comments in the chat room, we'll try and get to those as we answer this detailed question. Donna, you you said, you pointed out that God's way is really narrow. I I think this is what a lot of people don't understand. People, in in addition to lots of the other misconceptions we're dealing with here, a lot of people have the idea that God is just absolutely open to anything that we want to throw in his direction. Oh, yeah. This is the day of uh, postmodernism. It's a day of a broad-minded liberal spirit. Uh, and consequently, how could you be so narrow as to believe some doctrine that excludes somebody? And yet everybody believes a doctrine that excludes somebody. Even somebody who says you have to believe in Christ excludes a Muslim, the Jew, the Jehovah's Witness, um, and on down the line. Or the atheist, you exclude somebody. But truth by the nature of what it is is narrow. I mean, it's it's simple, and and I don't mean to insult people's intelligence, but 2 plus 2 is 4. There is no room for any other answer. 3.9, 4.1 will not do. So consequently, truth by the nature of what it is is narrow. It is narrow-minded. That's the nature of that. And even Jesus talked about the narrow way, Matthew uh, 713. Exactly right. right. So, uh, God's ways. Now, you, you suggested a parallel question that I thought was pretty interesting. Yeah, quite often I'm, when I'm asked this question, will only those in church of Christ be saved? And if you answer in the affirmative, which we are, we're not beating around the bush, um, that how could you be so narrow-minded as to exclude these people? Well, my parallel question is simple. Do you have to believe in Christ in order to be saved? And the person usually says, yes, I have, you have to believe in Christ. And my response to you mean to tell me you believe the Jews going to be lost? How could you believe such a narrow mind? Do you mean the Muslim is going to be lost? How could you be so narrow mind? Do you mean to tell me the Jehovah's Witness who deny the deity of Christ that they're going to be lost? And their answer usually is, well, yeah. And they're backed into a corner now. Because well, they're narrow-minded. And, and so I'm trying to point out, you're narrow-minded. We all are. It's just where are we going to draw the line, so to speak? Where, where's yeah. the line going to be drawn? Is it going to be drawn where we want it to 
or where the Lord has drawn it. Absolutely. And that's exactly what Jesus said in Matthew seven twenty one and 22. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. And so this question implies there's only one of two answers. Either there are, there is a certain number of people who will be saved, or everyone's going to be saved. You can't have it both ways. If we say, yeah, there's a certain criteria you've got to fall into in order to be saved, well, you draw that box where you want to draw it. We're going to draw it where the scriptures draw it. Otherwise, everybody's going to be saved. Everybody's going to be saved. And interesting, that very same text you just read from just a few verses earlier, Greg decided, chapter 7, 13, 14, that many would be lost and only few be saved. The contrast is most of the world will be lost and only a few be saved. That is quite narrow-minded. Yeah, exactly yeah. right. Exactly right. All right. Let us know your thoughts. All right. Uh, okay. You're telling me there's just one. How in the world am I supposed to know which one is the right one? I mean, because right here in our, Columbia, Tennessee is not a huge city, but big enough that we've got... My guess would be hundreds of different religious groups. And you're telling me that there's really just one. How am I going to know it? That's a, that's an interesting question. And I think the answer is quite simple. And when we make a parallel that the method that people use of finding the New Testament church, are they going about finding the church that they think is the right church, seems absurd when you apply it to something else. And I gave the illustration tonight of looking for a lost boy. Really good. You walk into a mall, and here's the mother just frantic over this lost boy, so you want to help her. And so consequently, you tear out through the, the mall, and you just grab the first boy you see because one boy is as good as another. And I notice people smiling tonight like, that's absurd. Well, why is that absurd? One church is as good as another, people tell us. That's what they say. And so why doesn't it work with boys? Yeah. Well, okay, that doesn't work. So you tear out through the mall, and you look for... Uh, the uh, most popular boy, and that's what people do with churches. This has got to be the best church because this. Look at how many people go here. There's 500 here. There's 600, a thousand. It's the most popular church in town, um, and that's absurd. And looking for a boy, or you tear out through the mall and you say, "I tell you what, I'm going to find the boy that I like." And I, I like little boys when they're cute and they're about three years old. Oh, they're just so cute. So I'll describe the three-year-old boy I find and and present it because this is the boy of my choice. Well, that's absurd, and we laugh. When looking for boys. So how do we do that? Well, we all know what we do. We ask the mother, what's he look like? We'd do that. In a moment of crisis, we'd say, tell me what he looks like. And what was he wearing? <coughs> and so, you you know, maybe he's 10 years old, 70 pounds. He's uh, 50 inches tall. His name's Tommy. His hair's brown, eyes green, whatever. And you write all that down, and then you go looking for him. And you don't find the boy if you find part of those. I found everything, but this boy's named Jimmy. And after all, names don't matter. That doesn't make sense on little boys. But it we use that with churches. Um, well, then you tear out again. You find a boy named Jimmy, but he's twice as old. But I found the right church because it's got the right name. That doesn't work either. Um, and, they, and so my point was, find the right boy when you meet all the identifying characteristics, whether you like those or not. You may not like little Tommy, but that's the identifying characteristics of her boy. And that's the way we go about finding the New Testament church. We need to go to the scriptures first and look what are the identifying characteristics and go from there. If you don't do that, if you say, well, I'm just going to look for one that seems right to me or that I like, then you have to be open to anything goes. Because I have to then say, well, what you like, it must be as equally as valid as what I like. Absolutely. Or what makes good sense to you must be as good as what makes good sense to me. And so when you do that, then you end up with the 
landscape in the religious world that we have today, where they're just basically anything and everything goes. Whether you're going to use an objective or subjective standard. And you can't say anything about it. Right. The church that's riding the bulls in their worship service on Sunday morning, that's going to have to be okay with me and, and my so-called pious worship. I may not prefer that, but it can be wrong. But I can't say anything about it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and unfortunately, that's where we are today. People aren't going to say anything about it. You know, this, this, and I think sometimes we refer to this as ecumenicalism, that really has been sold hard, and people have bought into it. But, but I'm old enough to remember back to when that wasn't the way it was. People, people although they differed, they felt some duty to defend what they believed as being right. I yeah. mean, you, you could find Baptists, and, and they would engage you to debate what they understood uh, the Bible to teach and what they believed. And, and lots of religious debates were conducted back in that era. Now you can't even drum up a debate because people have been sold the idea that your, yours is as good as mine, is as good as the next one, and it doesn't matter. Jesus wasn't sold the idea in Matthew chapter 7 as we looked. Uh, there's a narrow way, and only those who do the will of the Father will enter the kingdom of heaven. I, I'm convinced that the point you just made is the devil's most effective tool he's got, yeah. that it doesn't make any difference what you believe. And that's why people are not listening to your show who don't listen. That's why people don't come to services. That's why we can't get Bible studies is because they're convinced it makes no difference what you believe. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. his most effective tool. Yeah, and that's that's really escalated in the last 50 years, wouldn't you think, or maybe even less than that. And, it's, it, and it continues to get worse and worse, mm-hmm. but people just don't think it matters at all. Uh, and again, what I really liked your illustration about finding a lost boy. If that's my lost boy, every detail about him is essential. And I'm not going to be happy. I'm not going to be satisfied until I've found the one boy that is the right one. Uh, and we need to, people need to develop that attitude about seeking the church that Jesus died for and shed his blood for. You know, a point that I think needs to be made here is if somebody's looking for a church, and they go visit a church, and they start raising questions about, could you tell me about where the Bible teaches your doctrine, or where the Bible... Sh-? And if, if the people who are the leaders of that church, preachers or leader, pastors or whoever their, their, their leaders are, if they're offended by that question, they're in the wrong church to start with, because God's people are never offended by answering those questions. I know you all here would be, and where I preach, uh, we're encouraged by those questions. Somebody wants to know, where is the scripture that teaches... Why do you do that? Why do you do that? And we, yeah. we, we're anxious. Hey, let's open the Bible and we start studying. Yeah, yeah. But but one of the things we've experienced on the virtual Bible study is we we have like an open door policy here. We invite you to come and discuss religious differences with us. We've we've personally contacted any number of different denominational leaders who refuse the invitation. I want to tell you if there's a Baptist church in Columbia, Tennessee, and they invite me to be on their radio program, I'll be there with bells on to discuss what divides us. But people just, if it doesn't matter, then there's no use talking about it. Right. All right. Uh, Let's get to some of the comments in the chat room quickly before our next break. Kevin says, one way to redirect this question is to help rephrase it, to ask the Inquisitor, do you believe only members of the church will be saved, hence eliminating the already denominational slant? And that's what we're trying to eliminate here as well in the understanding of the question uh, Kevin, I guess um, seventy-five sixty-four says, unlike the denominations, the Church of Christ has no central earthly headquarter. Each congregation is autonomous and led by a plurality of elders. The common connection between churches of Christ and the Bible are central authority given by the inspired uh, word of authority of God. And um, 
And uh, guess 5835 says there definitely is a Church of Christ denomination. What would you call a Church of Christ who t- which took on a creed? Well, there may be denominations, and there are denominations who call themselves churches of Christ. Yes. Uh, that just as you said, the name doesn't make it right. That's exactly right. There are churches, uh, for example, there there are what's essentially the Christian Church in uh, parts of uh, Ohio and Indiana, et cetera, that uh, wear the name Church of Christ, and they, that is a denomination. Yeah. Um, All right. So, yeah, I guess there is. Uh, Jim in Kentucky says it could be that when someone is talking about the Church of Christ denomination, they are thinking about the old Boston movement, now the worldwide Churches of Christ. Uh, And there's another one that's using the name, we believe, erroneously. Um, And um, Jim asked the question, do you believe that everyone who is religious, no matter what they believe, will be saved? Um, And uh, so... Uh, again, that's the question we're asking. Either you, you, either you say there are certain parameters that are de- determined whether or not you're going to be saved, or there are none, and everyone's going to be saved. Uh, so everyone is exclusive in that answer, I guess, Donnie, is what we're saying. Right. Now, if I understood that question, are we saying, will everybody be saved? Is that what the question Jim was? Jim was asking the question of those who were posing the, okay. the question. Yeah, the, the question yeah, it, it comes back to how narrow... How narrow are you going to be? Are you going to be? And we've got to go to the scriptures as the standard for that, and that's what we've tried to do. Uh, uh, otherwise, there is one body, there is one church, and the church is those who are saved, and I don't know of any other conclusion. That's the only draw. place you can draw the line. Right. It, otherwise, it's just going to be one subjective. One must be in the body to be saved, and if there's one body, and then here are the identifying characteristics, and a church that meets those characteristics is that New Testament church, and if they don't meet the characteristics, they're not that church. So okay. I need to examine each church, and and I see their teaching in right. Well, let's go back to the boy illustration. Uh, if I find a boy, uh, I'm looking for a 10-year-old boy, his name's Tommy, and I see a boy that's obviously 16, I don't even need to ask his name. I know he's the wrong boy yeah. because he didn't meet one of the characteristics. Yeah. doesn't matter if he didn't meet five or four. He didn't meet one of them, and that's not the right right boy. Uh, so I find a boy who says his name's Tommy, but he's obviously three years old, and I'm looking for a 10-year-old boy. I don't need to ask I know he's the wrong boy. Same thing with churches. Here's a church that's doctrine is wrong. It's the wrong church. Here's another church the name is wrong. It's the wrong church. I'm looking for one that meets all the identifying characteristics. And Uh, and the other side of that coin, Donnie, is once you've found the church that fits all the identifying characteristics, you can stop looking. No, no, there's, what, 20,000 different so-called Christian denominations. Have you personally investigated every one of them? I haven't either. No. But once we find the one that meets the New Testament criteria in every regard, we don't have to investigate all the others. Yes. And quite often I, I, somebody will ask me about a church. Have you heard about this church and give some long name? No, um, I don't. And you just ask a couple of questions. What do they teach? And it's usually something strange about what to do to be saved. And just two or three things tells me, I know that's not the New Testament church because it doesn't fit the pattern. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, 3152 has a problem with your illustration 3152 says, when looking for a church, we're not looking for a boy. We're looking for a father who raised us up from spiritual death. Uh, I think it misses the point of the illustration. Right. We are looking for the father, but we're not going to be a part of a group. Even 3152 would not be a part of being Satan. 
They, the no. 3152 would have some type of conditions but on whether or not that, they're going to be a part you, of the church. Yeah, but we yeah. just beg you not to take the illustration beyond what it was intended to, right. to yeah. mean. We're just illustrating when you're searching yeah. for something, you look for its identifying characteristics. Same thing with that. parables that the Lord uttered. Yeah. Yeah. We could take each one of those yeah. and press them be, well beyond the intended. Okay, right, let's take a break right. and get to the top got, of the hour. i got several emails here. And we've got to read. get to Donnie's conclusion of the sermon. There are some... some um, some consequences of uh, the way that we answer this question. We're going to get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd. But don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. You just might find it is easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College of Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the Virgil Bible Study. According to a recent survey by Barna Group and the American Bible Society, a majority of U.S. adults, 81%, said they consider themselves highly, moderately, or somewhat knowledgeable of the Bible. Yet less than half, 43%, were able to name the first five books of the Bible, and only half knew that John the Baptist was not one of the Twelve Apostles. That information is via the Christian Post. The Word of God says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. For he hath said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee, so that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. The virtual Bible study continues. We're back on the program tonight. We're talking about the question, Will only the ones in the Church of Christ be saved? And we're trying to get look at that answer with Donnie Rader tonight. Let me just read, Jacob. Uh, we haven't gotten to any of our emails. Let me just read some of these, and uh, you guys comment about these after you hear them. See if the first one comes from Kent in Georgia. He says, "My response is the phrase Church of Christ, by the phrase Church of Christ, I do not refer to a denomination, neither do I refer to a group of denominations. I simply refer to the non-denominational, undenominational, anti-denominational body of saved individuals." that Christ promised to build, Matthew 16, 18. This non-denominational body was purchased by the blood of Christ, Acts 20, 28. It contains all those who have been saved from their past sins, Acts 2, verse 47. Whatever, therefore, one must obey to be saved from past sins will constitute one a member of this church. To be saved from past sins, one must believe in the gospel of Christ, John 8, 24, John 1, verse 12. Repent of all sins, Acts 17, 30. Confess the deity of Christ, Romans 10, verses 9 and 10, and be baptized for the remission of sins, Acts 2.38. When a penitent believer confesses Christ and is baptized for the remission of sins, that one is added by the Lord or baptized into this New Testament church. Denominationalism is unauthorized and is therefore sinful. Christ did not die for denominationalism. He died to purchase the church that contains all those who are saved, not the denominations. If one is to be saved... If one is to be saved, one will thus find salvation in this non-denominational, undenominational, anti-denominational New Testament body, the Church of Christ. There are no saved individuals outside of such. I'd, I'd say that. I, I agree with that yeah. right down the line. Sound yeah. like Kent, Kent is right on the same yeah. page we are there. All right. That's the point we've been trying to make. Here's one uh, from, a, from Donna, and I don't know where Donna's from. 
She said, I believe God looks into the heart of a person during judgment. He looks to see if a person has Christ in their heart and has asked for forgiveness of their sins. I seriously doubt that God asks which church you attended. Whether or not a person attends Church of Christ has nothing to do with entry into heaven. Although I've heard that some in the Church of Christ feel that anyone who attends a different church going to hell, speaking as a Baptist, I hope that's not the case. I would ask, uh, what, what if I said, I think what God's going to look at in the judgment is what's in your heart, and not, I doubt God's going to ask you the question, did you believe in Christ? How does she know God's not going to ask that question? When he says there is one body, uh, when, when the Bible talks about the Lord adding to the church daily those who are being saved and those who are glad to receive the word were baptized were those who are added to the church, he's the Savior of the body. How does she know that God's not going to ask which church you were in? Uh, but how would she answer the question if we asked that very question? Yeah. Of, I don't believe God's going to ask what, whether or not you believed in Christ. He's going to look at your heart and what you really... I do know what God said in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. God is going to look at more than just our heart. He's going to look at how we lived. And he says that over and over again in the Bible. And if for us to say, well, it doesn't matter what you do, how you worship, what church you're part of, God's just going to look at your heart, that's not in accordance with what the Word of God says. comes if back I, to the question of is, is sincerity enough. If I was working for you for hire and you told me exactly what to do, I wouldn't presume to say, well, I really don't think that matters to him. He told me to paint his house white with green shutters I don't think the green. I don't think he really cared about the green shutters. I'm going to paint the shutters red. I wouldn't presume to do that. I wouldn't presume to say he hired me. I'm working for him. I expect to be paid by him. I wouldn't presume to say. Well, but I really don't think this is important to him. I would try to do it just the way you said. And I don't believe Donna really. I don't want to put words in her mouth. But I don't believe Donna truly says. Donna, is it okay if I'm a fornicator? I'm a liar. I'm a murderer. But I have a good heart, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be all that matters? And with all due respect to Donna, my guess is that there are some churches that we could name that she would agree wouldn't wouldn't be acceptable. But the Church of Satan. Yeah. Church or of the Satan. Church of Love. There was a church a number of years ago called the Church of Love. I don't know if it's still in existence where their function was to fornicate with one another uh, and in the name of religion. Yeah. No, yeah, and, and so what? What would what is, would it be okay to be a part of that? Would it be okay to, or, or even what about Jehovah's Witnesses or Mormons or Catholics? A lot of people draw the line there. Somewhere you how are you going to draw? How are you going to draw that line? But thank you for thank you for your email, Donna. We'd like to talk with that you with you further about that if you would. Got another email from Georgia from Chris. He says, being a member of the Church of Christ, I would answer this question by showing them in the Bible that there is only one body. Jesus is the head of this body, the Church. God adds you to the body. You do not join. I would then teach them what to do in order to be added to that body. I agree. I agree with that, too. No uh, problem. Okay, here's Hucky. He says, as a member of the Lord's body, here's how I respond when asked this question. I mentioned to them that having grown up in the Catholic Church, we said a prayer that mentions the Catholic Church is the one true, holy, and apostolic church. The Baptist Church believes that it has come down in history to us from John the Baptist and thus is the only true church. The Mormons believe they are the true church of Jesus Christ and so forth. Few, if any, religious bodies do not see themselves as the true church and state so, either in their creeds or by their teachings to their own members. Thus, it's not a concept foreign to anyone in the religious world and is not unique to hear members of the Lord's body make this claim. 
I believe the ones who are making the loudest noise are such as those mentioned above who do not like the idea that someone else is making a claim to be the true body of Christ and they are offended by it and seek to rebuke the Lord's people with such a charge but cannot because they do not have the truth on their side. If it's not true, then the one who opposes it should have no trouble proving it wrong. So Jim's point there is is along the line, you know, if, if I'm a Methodist, I would be a Methodist because I think the Methodists are right. I mean, mm-hmm. I would not say the Methodists are clearly wrong, but I'm going to be one. Methodists think they're good. Catholics think they're good. I mean, everybody in whatever religion they are thinks that religion is right. Now, they, the ecumenical notion that maybe you're okay, I'm okay, but actually people have, have a preference and follow the preference because they think in their mind that that's the right choice. Why is it wrong to, for others to, to do the same thing? I think is basically what Jim is saying. There. Okay, that's a good point. All right. Any other emails tonight? That covers emails. Thank you for your emails tonight. Uh, Donnie, quickly before we conclude, you said there's some consequences for the way we answer this question. What I mean by consequences is if, if this is not just an academic question that we're interested in, okay, we all agree on this, so let's fold our Bibles and go home. Anybody here tonight is true, that one must be a member of the Church of Christ in order to be saved, then that demands two things, that one be in the church in order to be saved. And, I mean, that's a simple conclusion. So if I'm not in the church, then I need to be in the church. And whatever it takes to get there, which is the same process of being saved, uh, then that's what I need to do. The second thing is that that would demand that I leave and renounce denominationalism. We're not asking people to swap churches. We're not asking you. We've got a different brand church, and so we're asking you to give up your brand to come to us. Um, but if there is one New Testament church and you're a part of denominationalism, which is contrary to the Scriptures, we're asking, and the Bible is demanding, you leave denominationalism and renounce it and identify with the church you read about in the pages of the New Testament. I think that's really important. We're not asking you to like chocolate ice cream instead of strawberry. We're right. saying if if there is just one true church, then... The whole idea of different kinds that are all okay is wrong, and you need to give up that notion yeah. and and come out of denominationalism and seek the one true church that's described in the pages of the New Testament. Now, there's so, been a lot of discussion in the chat room that we can't get to tonight, um, and uh, there may, I, I see something here, so no answer. Maybe they're asking the question that we've missed. 3152, Will, others in the chat room who may disagree. We just ask if you would send your your questions for us in an email. We will answer them next week on the program. Yeah, uh, we just, haven't been able to keep up with the chat room tonight, but that's okay. Send us an email with your just state your question uh, for us to consider. We can answer it next week. And if you want to come on the program next week, we welcome you to do that as well. You can put that in your email as well. But just send us an email, and we can uh, we can address your question. We don't want to leave any question unaddressed. We believe we can answer the questions that have been posed. Uh, we just haven't had time to get to all those in the yeah, chat room. Exactly right. Okay, yeah. we've had a good discussion tonight. Donnie, thank you for sticking around and talking about this again. Thank you, and thank you for your good lesson tonight. We will put it in the podcast feed for our listeners who want to listen to that uh, that lesson and the other lessons. Uh, Dad, one more night. Well, one of more meeting. night of our gospel meeting. Tomorrow night, 7 o'clock, here at the College View Church of Christ. Join us here. Ben may bring a lesson. And actually, sort of a close follow-up to the lesson tonight. He's going to talk about true New Testament Christianity tomorrow night. All right. Please come if you can. Uh, thank you again for being a part of the program, and we hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. hope you make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at Monday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the Internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.